Hello and welcome to the Motivation Method podcast with me, Rob Burkhead. And me, Ben Hughes. We are the co-founders of Trinity Transformation and the Motivation Masterclass found at trinitytransformation.co.uk. In today's episode, you will learn the answer to one of our most common questions, which is how do I deal with bad food cravings? So sit back and relax and welcome to today's Motivation Method podcast. Okay, so welcome back here with episode two. We really appreciate everyone listening so far and subscribing. Yeah, we actually hit um, the number. We're in a top 10 in fitness and nutrition category at the moment, which is completely unexpected. I expected to release this podcast and it to just disappear into the internet and maybe a couple of people would listen to it. But apparently people like listening to me and Rob talking shit for quite a while. So if you have listened to episode one, Uh, or you're listening to episode two now, we would really appreciate if you just did a review in iTunes. Just let us know what you think, whether you think the podcast is great, whether you think it's not great. Give us an honest review of of your opinion so we can, you know, kind of take that feedback on board and improve as we move forward with this. Yeah, that would be really, really appreciated. So with that said, let's get into the topic. Let's get into helping you with motivation. And today what we're going to talk about is how to beat bad food cravings. So the first thing I want to ask, and we ask ask this to Ben, is like why might bad food cravings actually happen why do people get these crazy cravings there are quite a number of reasons um which we can go through which which why people get these bad food cravings first of all just um what these cravings are everybody knows it's those times when you you feel like there's nothing there's no solution to your problems right now other than to go order dominoes to go into the fridge to eat some ice cream to get a chocolate bar Whatever it is, you feel like eating this bad food is gonna gonna make you feel better. And the triggers for this, um, there are a ton of them. So I'll, I'll run through the whole list. Shall I run through the whole list first, Rob? Yeah, run through the list and then we'll go through each one and talk about why it happens and why it's linked. Okay, so the first thing is um, lack of sleep. So if you're tired, you are way more likely to crave bad food. If you're stressed, if you've had a crap day at work, you come back after work. Um, that's another one of those dangerous times. If you get bored, so I remember when I used to sit at my desk at work, I would get bored and there would be treats around and I would go straight to them. If you're exhausted, for example, you've just done a really hard workout and the only food available is something unhealthy. If you've been starving yourself and um, you're just extremely hungry, you're gonna crave bad foods. If you don't allow yourself to have treats and snacks, you cut things out completely, then you're gonna want them more. Um, If you make poor food choices, you're also going to crave uh, bad foods. And if you eat too much sugar, that's going to be very addictive. You're going to end up on this cycle of uh, like a sugar high and then a big crash. And in that crash, you're going to crave bad foods. So a lot of different reasons. Yeah. So as Ben said, there's loads of reasons, but let's get into more specifically why they happen. Because I think one of the important things uh, when it comes to motivation and actually sticking to something or knowing how to deal with something is understanding why it's happening. Like if you don't know why something is happening, uh, then you often don't know how to combat it. So the first thing we're talking about is sleep. So Ben, why is sleep such a big problem when it comes to cravings? Sleep um, is a really, really important thing for your overall health and your hormone levels. So if you are sleep deprived, that is going to mess with your hormones and your hormones are what controls your hunger levels so we don't need to get into this in too much detail this is not the we're not me and Rob are not experts on hormone levels or um you know any of that kind of stuff medical 
scientific stuff. But I know from experience that if I am sleep deprived, I am going to want to eat bad food. Yeah, this is how it goes. This isn't like um, just theory. This has been proven by all these, like by all the boffins, the nerds with the the glasses on. Well, that's probably on PC nowadays. (laughs) I probably shouldn't say that. (laughs) By the scientists, this has been proven that sleep does lead to higher levels of craving. So if you're getting less than seven or eight hours of sleep a night, and we're talking about like actually being asleep, and it's easy to not get that much sleep, then what they've found is you get significantly higher levels of um, these hormones. These hormones all get disrupted and you get significantly higher cravings. Like one of the main reasons you might be struggling with bad food cravings is simply lack of sleep. And for most people, they can improve this and most people can, can fix that problem. If you've got young kids, I know that might be a little bit different though. But Ben, like what, what kind of things would you say you could do to improve your sleep if, or like just, just to get more sleep? To get more sleep, um, yeah, first of all, you've got to look at how much, obviously you need enough time. You need to allow yourself enough time and prioritize that sleep. So if currently you're getting to bed at midnight and waking up at six, the only way you're going to improve your sleep is to either get to bed earlier or um, or wake up later. And if you can't wake up later because you've got to get to work, you've got a job, you've got to, you know, do stuff in the morning, then the solution is then just to get to bed, get to bed earlier. Um so first of all, it's as simple as that. Get to bed earlier. Think about what you can remove from your day, which is not serving you. So, you know, watching watching that ep- extra episode of something on Netflix, whatever else you do to waste your time. <laughs> Rob, what do you do to work that waste time? It's that, it's the bloody Netflix, like infinite playing. I don't know how you, what you call it. What's it, does it have a name? You know, I, the thing I got that- sucked into this last night. At about, you know, half past 12 last night, I was on the sofa. I'd watched one episode of Friends to kind of wind down in the evening. Well, after after work. I know it sounds ridiculous, half past 12. But anyway, that episode got to the end and then it, it, it has a little countdown timer which is going to play the next one. And obviously it plays the next one and you get sucked in and you watch it and you get in the Netflix black hole. That's what I was going to call it. That's not technical. But the Netflix black hole, that's terrible. Like sometimes I just won't even watch Netflix because I know I'll end up in the black hole. Um, so that's one thing I could do to waste time. Uh Eating dinner late was one of the big ones for me. So like when I find my routine starts to get really bad and my sleep starts to get really, um, really short, I get sleep deprived and get hungry and get these cravings because of it. I tend to get that because I start cooking dinner at 8.30, 9 o'clock and I end up not finishing until 10 and then I don't end up, then I kind of can't sleep because I've been cooking, I've got to wash up and then I don't get into bed till 11 and then inevitably like you don't get to sleep straight away so it ends up being quite late and then then i wake up at 6 30 and i haven't had enough sleep so for me yeah i think it's eating too late is a big one this is exactly the problem i fell into last night my routine yesterday was terrible i just um i i just kind of got carried away with my work i got into the groove with work worked until pretty late and then realized at that point that I was really, really hungry and making that decision of what I'm going to eat in that really tired state at whatever time it was, 11.30 p.m. was very difficult. I pulled it off. I had some um, some broccoli soup in the fridge, which, you know, you probably think, listening to this, that that sounds disgusting, but it's nice, nice broccoli soup. Um, but I basically stood there in front of my cupboards because my mum had bought these lovely crusty bread rolls. 
I'm staying at my parents. They're being as kind kind enough to accommodate me for a few days at the minute. And my mum has these lovely bre- crusty bread rolls in the cupboard. And I was kind of, I stood there like taking these bread rolls out and putting them back in probably 10 times. Just thinking like, oh, I could have a bread roll. I could take one out. I could put it in the oven. I could warm it up, put some hot butter on it and dip it in my soup. It'd be delicious. But at the moment, one of the things I'm trying to do is um, I'm cutting out as much wheat and sugar as I possibly can. Because Mm. for me personally, those don't tend to work particularly well for my kind of digestion. Anyway, I had this argument with these bread rolls for like 10 minutes at this time late at night. I was massively craving them just because I decided to eat really late. I was really tired and my willpower was, you know, at an all-time low. I think willpower is, you wake up in the morning, what first thing in the morning your willpower is like 100%. And as you go through the day, the more decisions you make, um, this is called, people call this decision fatigue. I don't know if that's a real scientific, is that a real scientific term? It is, but, but there's also been, I was talking to our clients about this last night on our one of our coaching calls. There's a funny thing to do with willpower that they they believe that this decision fatigue thing existed, whereas throughout the day you make decisions until like last year that was how they thought what happened is every decision you make you like ex- use up some of this willpower. It's like a battery on your phone. The more you use it, the less you have. But then they found in a study last year that I thought was quite interesting, and I don't know if this is conclusive, but they found that um, they told two different groups of people two different things. They told one group that the more you practice or use your willpower, the stronger it will get. Maybe like, you know, if you're, this might not relate to lots of people, if if you're forging, if you're making like, let's say a blacksmith is making something, they hit it with a hammer and it gets harder and it gets stronger. They said like, this happens with your willpower. The more you use it, the stronger it will get. And then they said to the other group, the more you use your willpower, the less you will have and you'll become weaker and weaker and less likely to make good decisions. And then they sent them off and into two different scenarios where they had to make tough a series of decisions and the group they told that it got worse to it got worse and their quality of decisions got worse and they couldn't resist these things like cravings and then the group they told that it got stronger it didn't get any worse so a lot of it is actually they think now down to self-belief and if you believe your willpower gets worse it just gives us this like excuse so this science is still trying to keep up with this as uh, we'll probably say this a lot in this podcast but science is constantly evolving and nutrition science and all this stuff is pretty um, in its early days. So all you can really go by is what works for you. And and in that scenario, if if Ben was thinking, I've had a really hard day, I can't make a good decision, then in your mind, you're already reserved. Like, I, I'm guessing this is what tends to happen, although you, I think you did all right. What tends to happen is you then talk yourself into it. I do this. I'll go, oh, I deserve it because I'm tired and my willpower's gone. So I'll just have a, I'll, I'll have a pizza because... I, I got myself into this situation and it gives me like an excuse. So that was a bit of a tangent. I'm good at doing those. <laughs> what were we talking about, Ben? I feel like both of those things that you just said are are true for me. Both of them. I've experienced both sides of that coin. So I've experienced number one, when I'm really like, when all of these things add up, when I'm physically exhausted, stressed, um, really, really tired, etc etc um in like like a sugar crash my blood sugar is getting low at that point i feel like my ability to say no to the bad foods is just fundamentally worse but over time the more i if i if in that situation i do manage to say okay i don't need to eat those bread rolls which i did do then i know that tomorrow if i got into the same situation 
my ability to make that decision again will be easier. It'd be much, much easier for me to say, oh yeah, yesterday I didn't, I didn't um, give in to that. I know I have that strong willpower and today I can do the same again. It's like, I feel like initially you have to give yourself that belief, as you said. Um, and yeah, as you said, it's, it's kind of a shift in mindset, isn't it? Almost just from. Yeah, it's crazy that that research proved that the power of your mindset, that if you just believe one thing, then it will happen. Like, is it, is it Einstein who says that quote that if you think you can, you can. And if you think you can't, you probably can't. A lot of things come down to that more yeah. than more than what you can actually or can't actually do but i think it's the the these scientific experiments obviously in quite like a uh, uh what's the word they're in an environment where everything is kind of set up so they're only testing one thing whereas as ben said there's a lot more factors in real life that might contribute to your cravings so there might be the fact that you've had a sugar crash because you've eaten loads of sugary food and then not eaten or you've not eaten any food for hours and hours and you're tired and you've done a workout like there's a lot more going on so I don't even know what the point was of that bit. <laughs> I have to say we've 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 talked a lot about different areas of sleep. I think is what we're talking about. Yeah, Should we've we move? kind of moved into uh, into all kinds. I think there's definitely a physical component to all of these things. Yeah. So when you're physically stressed, you're physically tired, you're physically exhausted and hungry, then there are those physical cravings for these things. And there's also the mental aspect of those cravings, which is how how strong you like what the internal kind of dialogue you tell yourself about the way you feel. So you have these physical feelings of like, everybody knows the feeling I'm hungry that always exists. But it's then if you if you've got the feeling like I'm hungry, and I need to eat pizza. That's the thought that comes into your head. Then the second part of it is how you then process that. Yeah, the, the how strong you are mentally in order to um, to deal with that. That's that's really the thing. Well, we can control both of those sides of the coin, we can control like we're talking about, you can get more sleep, you can get better quality sleep. Um, that's one side of the coin, or you can improve your willpower so that even if you do get tired, you can then still beat those cravings. Anyway, so that's sleep. Was I talking about how to improve your sleep? I'm going to go through this very quickly then. So yeah. you can increase the amount of time you're in bed. Simple, number one. And then the second part of it is really improving your sleep environment. So tips to improve your sleep environment. Uh, earplugs earplugs are a game changer i used to live near a really busy main road i had crap sleep for a few months and that affected everything i was in a terrible mood you know just it just made me feel miserable i started wearing earplugs every night slept like a baby i do that at my parents house as well because they uh, I, I, they walk around and smash the doors in the house constantly and they're never going to not do that they've lived in this house 30 years and they've got into like these ha habits and patterns where they smash all the doors around but so I wear earplugs to combat that. Earplugs, number one. Number two, um, make your room as dark as possible. I have blackout blinds in my room, so it's like completely pitch black even in the middle of the day. Number three, you get the temperature right. If you're too hot, you're going to wake up in the middle of the night. If you're too cold, you're going to wake up in the middle of the night, so get that bang on. Number four, don't go to the toilet in the middle of the night, and the way you can do that is avoid drinking liquids after 8 p.m., especially caffeinated drinks like coffees and teas, for example. That leads me into the next point. Avoid caffeine late at night. Um, I'd probably say 4 p.m., 3 p.m., 4 p.m. Stop drinking caffeine altogether. This depends on person to person, though. I can drink a coffee right before bed and go to sleep. I know, Rob, is, Rob, you're a little different. Like, you, if you drank a coffee before bed, you'd probably be awake all night. Yeah, my, heart, right? yeah, my heart will be racing. And 
it's supposed to affect lighter skinned people more and lighter eyed people more and I fall into those categories so it seems to be true for me and I think it's supposed to stay in your system for six hours caffeine so if it heavily affects you which it does for me then that is something you're going to have to think about so if you switch to decaf tea or decaf coffee I just say in the afternoon it's easier than like trying to remember is it 3 p.m is it 4 p.m I just go okay it's the afternoon I only have decaf drinks and therefore and obviously no energy drinks which is another thing a lot of people rely on. I, I was at um, I was at the news agents this morning posting something, um, sent, giving them a parcel, and there were some school kids buying their treats for school, and I forgot what it was like because I was just the same. I was at first I was like judging them. I was thinking, oh, look at all the sweets they're buying. It's a load of rubbish, and I was like, That's, that is what I used to buy. But they were also buying. One of them bought three energy drinks for that day. They said, which is mad. Um, so a lot of people are relying on these and if you're constantly pumping caffeine into your system then your sleep is going to suffer so I would try and get off caffeine after midday if you're having to rely on caffeine to get throughout the day you are definitely not getting enough sleep and you're not getting good enough quality of sleep in my opinion don't know what you think Ben um, yeah I would agree I mean I'm, I'm drinking coffee before this podcast but I think that's more um well, habit. I've always I always drink coffees and stuff before webinars or anything I've got to record. A video, webinar, podcast. Not because I need the energy, just because, I don't know, it's like a comfort blanket. But last point about sleep is there are a few supplements you can take to improve your sleep. There's probably loads of them, but the ones I wouldn't I know of are ZMA, which is a mixture of zinc and magnesium and vitamin B six or b12 one of those two anyway six, this the combination of these things all i know is it makes you sleep really deeply like a log and it gives you crazy dreams i've been having some crazy dreams the last couple of nights um really crazy ones i was in the army last night just like chasing people around shooting them with guns which is bizarre um zma is one of them um also tryptophan something i've been taking recently it's helps improve your increase your serotonin levels i know serotonin is also one of those things that can improve your sleep so yeah last last point is you can take some supplements to improve your sleep i'd research that yourself if you're interested in that yeah so that is sleep moving on let's try and get through these points um with a few less uh what's the word few less side notes from me <laughs> but that is it we could do a whole podcast on sleep so for now we're just going to go on to the next point on food cravings. That is how to, um, obviously how to beat food cravings. I'm getting off topic again. But it's stress. Like stress is a big um, cause of cravings in my opinion. Not a cause of cravings, but it's a it's something that triggers people to, to give in to their cravings more because it kind of wears you down. Whether this willpower thing does exist and you, you lose willpower or not, if you've got kids and they're constantly going mad, spilling something, breaking something, screaming, calling out for your attention. After that, what we most of us want to do, like I know if I've had a hard day, I don't have kids, but I know if I've had a hard day, we want some sort of reward. We want to have something to make us feel good because our whole day has been making us feel worse about ourselves or more tired, more stressed. Then we just want to have something that's a relief and for a lot of people that could be a glass of wine that they crave or it could be a big bar of chocolate and it's just like obviously those things have been proven to make you feel better um chocolate has things that make you feel better temporarily and they taste great so you're like ah oh, the glass of wine helps you under unwind the alcohol 
helps calm you down or the chocolate helps you feel better. So you have those things, not because you necessarily needed them to survive, needed them nutritionally, just because you want to feel better. So how would you combat that, Ben? How would you combat stress leading to to giving in to these cravings? So yeah, stress. The obvious, the, the obvious way you can combat stress is to remove the thing which is stressing you out. This one's not always possible, but in some situations you can do that. So for example, um, previously when me and Rob were running this, this business, I also had a job at the same time. So I'd wake up at 5 a.m. I would do some work with Rob at our house. Then I would go into work, do a full day of work, come back home, go straight to the gym, go straight from the gym back to home and then work more until like 11 p.m. and then go to bed. So my whole life was just basically work. In that situation, I was very, very stressed out. So um, I did end up see, I was seeing a counselor for like anxiety, depression related kind of issues, which I, I'm pretty sure was just because I was just not taking care of myself. So I was very, very stressed out. One of his solutions was just, why don't you just quit your job? So I quit my job, changed my lifestyle, started giving you know more time for myself, doing more things I enjoyed. And then that brought my stress levels down. So the first thing you can do is, if you can, remove the thing which is stressing you out. Now that might not always be possible. You might not be able to remove your kids or your partner if they're a person that stresses you out. You might not be able to just quit your job or, you know, but there are things you can control, which you can remove, which can reduce your stress levels. Um, the other side of stress is when you have removed everything which stresses you out, how can you then remain calm in that stressful environment? So when you've got to the best case environment you could possibly have, if it's still stressful, how can you stop that stressing you out? And the number one thing I find for this is meditation. So every morning for the past probably two years, maybe more than two years, I'd say every morning, most mornings, I will do meditation. So I'll meditate anything from three minutes up to 20 minutes per day. Um, and that has been very, very effective for me for just reducing stress levels. It's one of those things, that it's been proven scientifically that if you meditate, you will be less stressed. It gives your brain that um, that kind of period to just react, relax, think through things, or just not necessarily think about anything. We're in the world we live in now where we're constantly connected to our phones, to Facebook, we're always interacting with people, texting somebody, you know, the phone's going off all the time, we're always working, driving. You don't really have that much time to just think through stuff yourself. And I think this is one reason a lot of people who do who run regularly, they really enjoy running because when they go out running, they haven't got any of those distractions. They're just able to just have time to process and have time to think. And meditation is just the same as that, except you don't have to go for a run. So the second way to reduce your stress levels is to just do things which calm you down. Number one thing I would say for me is meditation. Um, but also I'll find for me, exercise is a great stress relief, great kind of outlet for my stress or frustrations. So any more, Rob? Any more? Yeah, time? I kind of go mad without exercise. I, I've just got back. So me and Ben moved early this week, which was extremely stressful and tiring. Um, but now we've, the move is complete. And I got back into the gym yesterday and today. And for people who are not into exercise, this probably sounds like a crazy 
a crazy thing but yeah i go mad without it so without the exercise i find i have a really short fuse a really short temper and like my family notice it my girlfriend notice it i also have this if i've not eaten for a long time um to the point where if if i try and go on the dog walk or something with my dad in the morning he says have you eaten because if not we're taking you straight to get food first because I don't want to walk with you without having food because I'm just a grumpy bastard. (laughs) So both food, but exercise is also equally important. Like I'll snap at my girlfriend for no good reason. And I'm sure you've all felt this. It's it's like for some reason, you know, you shouldn't do it and you feel it building up inside you. And you're like, oh, I just, everything they do is annoying me, even though they're not doing anything annoying. And I know she listens to this podcast, so hopefully she'll get it. But um it then just hits a point where I just snap or I go mad and there's no logical reason. It's usually just because I've got this pent up energy that I haven't meditated that day. I haven't exercised that day and then it all, all comes out. And what I found helped loads, like Ben said, meditation, we teach to our clients. It's it's a game changer and I'd say it's probably even better than running once you know what you're doing with it and it's obviously much more flexible. But then exercise as well, It just I think it's a human need to exercise like we're supposed to be active people we're supposed to be hunting animals or building stuff or fixing stuff as like we haven't evolved that far from those caveman days and yet most of us are spending our day sat down sat down in a car sat down in public transport sat down at a desk all day or maybe just wandering around the house but not really pushing ourselves and then lo and behold we don't feel that great for it and i think once you get into it it can suck at first if you're unfit it's probably going to suck but once you get into it a bit more you'll get better and it just becomes something that can transform the way you feel every day so i think definitely i think it really helps to just to to deload for stress like ben said and then the next thing that we've thought led to food cravings um it's kind of tied into this like if you exercise you have something to do the net but if you if you're just kind of doing nothing all day if your life really isn't very interesting then boredom can also lead to really bad food cravings like ben did you ever find when you worked um, at triumph in your office job did you ever find boredom led to to wanting to eat stuff that you put wouldn't wouldn't normally pretty much i mean um if i look at two different kind of cases one there, there were times where i was very very busy where i was I worked for a motorcycle design company and there was a time when I was in charge of doing a lot of testing. So it was, you know, organizing test riders and technicians and getting bikes in vans and driving all over the place and, you know, being in charge of something. So when I had these big projects to do, I would find myself just working flat out for like the whole morning, get to lunchtime and be like, you know, I haven't even, I haven't stopped. I haven't thought about eating today. I haven't thought of any, I haven't thought about anything. When you're really, really busy, you probably you've probably felt this yourself when you're really really busy you don't have time to think about how hungry you are until you get really really hungry but that that can lead to a whole other problem um but then there were there were other days where i didn't have much on and i'd be sat at my desk with some boring tasks to do that i didn't want to do um procrastinating as much as i possibly could and the most interesting thing was the packet of chocolate cookies that somebody had bought in which was you know on an arm's length away from me. So it's very, very easy to just, you know, you have one cookie, you're like, okay, I'll have a cookie. You eat a cookie, you sit there bored for another half an hour, and then you're like, you know, those cookies are starting to look, starting to look appealing again. You grab yourself another chocolate cookie, and before you know it, you've eaten three chocolate cookies, um, 
and you're just sitting there staring at them, just taunting yourself because you've got nothing better to do and the only source of enjoyment or entertainment for you at that moment is eating chocolate cookies. Yeah, and this stuff like stacks up, doesn't it? Like if we add up all the things we just talked about, imagine if you had like no sleep, as you were saying, so the road next to the house where we did live was really busy, massive lorries going along it, disturbing Ben's sleep all night. You're stressed because you're working 15 hours a day in two jobs. You're then bored at work. Like you have no choice, not no choice, but you've your body is just kind of going to be, I don't know. I find sometimes you have this like magnetic pull towards the food. Yeah, it's like you've you've set yourself up to physically crave this food and then you are left to to deal with that in in your mind. You're left to make that decision, but the decision is 10 times harder because of the the way you've set up the situation. Yeah, so it all stacks up because that that then links us into the next one, which is as you mentioned a little bit in that one, starving yourself can also lead to bad food cravings. Because if you if you don't eat for hours and hours and hours, your blood sugar levels come down and down and down until your body is just crying out for food. Like your body is running on empty and you're not not fueling it. And a lot of people do this as kind of like a dieting strategy that is a terrible strategy. Um, but I hear a lot of mums do it because they're so busy. Maybe they're busy around the house or they have a job as well and they're busy at work. And then they hit this point where their body is screaming out for food. And generally the food, like, what kind of food is it going to want in that situation, Ben? Uh, the body in that situation is looking for instant gratification. So it's looking for, you know, my blood sugars are getting low. I'm knackered. I'm, how am I going to um, boost my blood sugar in the quickest possible time? That's going to be, you know, biscuits, cake, chocolate bar, something easy, something fast. And uh, similar to this is when you're really, really hungry and you walk into your kitchen Sometimes I get so hungry that I'm like lightheaded and I get really, really hangry. So hungry and angry at the same time. And I'm walk, I walk into the kitchen. I'm like, okay, what am I going to make now? I open the fridge. There's like raw chicken breast, a load of vegetables and some kind of sauce that requires cooking or requires preparation and time and effort. I've got loads of spices on the, the spice rack. And then I've got like rice and potatoes in the cupboard. And then I open the other cupboard and inside there, we've got microwave popcorn, which can be made in two minutes. We've got um, some chocolate. We've got some cookies. Then I open the freezer drawer. There's some ice cream in there. And there is a frozen pizza. And all of the... So I've got like food which takes no time to prepare. And then food which takes effort to prepare. Whenever I'm really hungry and, you know, all of these things have added up, 100% of the time, you'll go for the food which is quick and easy and it's gonna it's just gonna fill you up it's just it's gonna be the least effort to get food into your system yeah i'll I'll literally hit this point uh where i think we should ban words in this i'm saying literally far too much all the young kids rubbing off on me with their literallys but um i get to this point where i'm so tired and so hungry that i cannot face cooking like you're saying i do not have the energy to cook um i can't think of anything else but eating so I just go through the cupboards till I find the, the fastest thing, like Ben said. So sometimes I will have whatever, some biscuits to give me the energy. I'm doing air quotes again. To give me the energy to then actually cook a real meal. Which is crazy. But I'm sure you can relate to that. I'm like, sometimes me and Ben, are, we're quite good at overworking ourselves some days to the point where we then realize we haven't eaten for seven hours. And we've also done a workout that day and we're both wandering around the kitchen, opening and closing our cupboards going, I've got 
chicken breast that hasn't been cooked. I've got uh, potatoes that have to be cooked. I've got vegetables that have to be cooked. Shall we just go get pizza? Shall we just get Domino's? I did this exact thing yesterday. I went to the gym at about midday. So I went to the gym at like midday. I had a, had a workout at the gym. Then I went to, on the way back from the gym, I went to the tip to drop off some like wood and cardboard boxes that were in the back of my car. Threw that stuff in the tip. By the time I finished with that, the workout and throwing that stuff away, it was like half past one, two o'clock. And I hadn't, hadn't given myself any food up to that point in the day. I'd just done a workout. I was absolutely starving. So I just drove straight to McDonald's had a chicken wrap, six chicken nuggets, ate them on my lap while I drove home because it was easy, because it was fast. I was like, I cannot face going home and then waiting another half an hour to cook some food. So I'm going to eat. I'm just going to go home, go and eat some junk on the way home. So I did that. I didn't go all out with the McDonald's. I just had a little bit. And then um, as Rob said, it sounds crazy, but I, I had a little bit of McDonald's and then that gave me the energy to then cook myself some real food when I got home. So as we're kind of, we're going to come on to how to beat craving specifically in a little bit. But as we're kind of hinting at here, it's a lot of lack of preparation and a lot of lack of planning and foresight. I don't know why I said that so weirdly. There's a lot of lack of foresight that then means we end up making these decisions. Like cravings don't, don't just happen for no reason. Cravings don't just come out of nowhere. We kind of, it kind of get man, gets manufactured by the way we live our lives and there are ways to deal with it. But we'll come back to the the actual reasons they happen first and then we'll get into that so the next thing that we find causes cravings a lot is actually just a lack of flexibility in your diet so when i say diet i don't mean a diet i mean in what you're eating every day so ben what 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 what, what's the problem with lack of flexibility there's kind of two sides to to this coin so the first side of it is um, if you never allow yourself to eat anything enjoyable at all, so if all of your food is just boring, if you're the kind of person, I know some people will do this, they'll just have like plain rice, plain chicken breast, plain broccoli. I used to do this a lot. Um, I was I was pretty good at it though. That's That was just because my, my motivation for my goals was so good. We'll get onto that later. But um, if you eat really, really plain, boring food all the time, Um, you start craving just something nice. You just want something nice to eat. You want something delicious. You want something tasty. It's natural to want to eat eat tasty food. And because you're not allowing yourself to have tasty food, you're going to crave that tasty food. Um, The other side of lack of flexibility is though, um, well, we're going to get into, into kind of why you crave foods in a bit. But if you, if you do cut things out for a long period of time, you can get used to a very, very boring, bland diet as well. That's like the other side of the coin. This one, it's quite difficult. Sometimes you'll cut things out and you'll really crave them. Sometimes you'll cut things out and you'll be like, okay, I didn't actually need to eat that every day. Yeah, there's like a, there's like a fine balance. And as has been said, we'll talk about in just a minute what we do with our clients that works really, really well. But there's a fine balance between too much flexibility, which means you're going to end up eating too much and and binging too much and then not enough flexibility which also leads to binging too much because your entire time is spent being like my diet sucks my diet's such a let me just clear my throat throat) my diet's such like a living a living hell and i hate it every single day that i i'm i just can't deal with it so every few days you end up going this is rubbish i'm tired i'm stressed whatever 
and then you end up binging on everything that was banned because it was all banned and you're told you can never have this it's bad or what also happens with that i just remembered it's like let's say you're banned from eating all biscuits and cakes and someone at work offers you one jaffa cake or there's a jeff there's a pack of jaffa cakes at home just as an example i like jaffa cakes and you you eat one jaffa cake and then you go oh well i've eaten that bad food now my my whole day is ruined like i've, I've ruined my diet I'm not on track with the diet I'm supposed to be doing, so it's all ruined anyway. So I'll just eat the entire pack now because it's ruined. And this mindset leads to eating way more calories than you actually needed to because you were told that you can't eat this thing, it's banned, it's bad, and you can't have it. The reality is it just comes down to eating the right amount for you, and it doesn't matter if you have a Jaffa cake most of the time. But it does matter. If you eat a whole package of cakes and you eat a normal day's worth of food, that's obviously going to be too much. So banning stuff tends to lead to binging. And this is why we don't really promote these approaches that are really strict, that say no carbs or no none of this, none of that. Like It just doesn't really work very well for many people for long periods of time. But we will come on to when it can work for shorter periods of time. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's not, the main thing is it's not necessary to remove all of the foods that you enjoy in order to see results. You could see just as good results having a few treats, having a few snacks every week, as you could having no treats and having no snacks every week. It's, it's all about getting that balance though. Um, and it, it definitely comes down to the individual on this one as well. There are kind of two different mindsets around banning foods and not banning foods. Some people can ban foods, it works brilliant for them. Some people can uh, go for moderation and that works brilliant for them. But we'll get onto that later on as well. Yeah, I agree. That's like, uh, we've we've had a lot of discussions with people obviously over the years, coaching, I think it's over 3,000 women now. And some say that what they found worked best for them was no biscuits ever because they cannot resist eating the whole pack or eating 10. And others say, I, I learned to have one. And it's what works for you, isn't it? It doesn't. It's not about my way or the highway. This is the only way that will work. It's finding a way that works for you and gets you the result you want. So on to the next reason you might have bad food cravings, crazy crude cravings. It's a bit of a mind, uh, tongue twister. Making poor food choices can actually lead to really bad cravings so ben do you want to elaborate like why why making why eating not such good foods why could that then link on to having bad cravings what do you mean by not eating such good foods well i didn't want to call them bad because i think also labeling food good and bad can give the wrong impression but let's say i'll give you an example let's say um if my diet if my usual daily eating is made up of like okay breakfast is a um, is a slice of toast with honey and a bowl of cereal and then my lunch is um, uh, what do you call those things like a special K bar and a sandwich with white bread and then my dinner is a big bowl of pasta with um, with a cake for dessert like in my opinion that could lead to to, to cravings I see what you're getting at now. I've f- I figured this one out. <laughs> so if you're eating that diet that Rob said, for example, that was pretty much 100% carbs um, and not going to be that high in fiber either. So those two things are very important. So the choices of foods that you make will affect your hunger levels and 
your hormones and your cravings. So for example, if you don't eat enough protein, you don't eat enough fats, you're gonna feel very hungry. Those foods are very satiating. So they, they'll make you feel full. Now I'm not a scientist about this, but one theory I have on this on why you can just eat carbs, like you can just, you know, I could put, I could eat so much pasta, it would be ridiculous. I could sit there and eat a stack of like 15 pieces of toast no problem. I could eat a giant bowl of pasta, no problem. I can eat a pizza, no problem. All these carb foods, they will go down like nothing. Um, things are even more addictive, like a pack of, think about a pack of like Pringles. I could get through an entire tube of Pringles, like absolutely no problem. Probably, so, probably before, like if you're in the cinema, I'm pretty sure I finished an entire <laughs> pack of Pringles before the film has started. I usually eat my whole popcorn before the trailers are done. Yeah. And have to get another one, which... Sounds ridiculous, but one one theory I have on this is that because your 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 body hasn't got the thing that it wants, that it needs, it hasn't got any proteins, it hasn't got any fats, it hasn't got any fiber, it tells you to continue eating. It's like, okay, keep eating, put some put some more stuff in until we get to the thing that's that's actually that we need, that's actually gonna fill me up. So if you make better food choices. So you include more protein in your diet, which is very filling. You include more healthy fats in your diet, which are very filling. And you include more fiber in your diet. So lots of healthy vegetables. Those things are gonna keep you very, very full. And when you feel full, you you don't really wanna eat. If you think about, um, for example, you sit, if you think about sitting down and eating a bowl of pasta, that's very easy to eat. If you sit about, sit, and if you think about eating a bowl of plain chicken breast, the same size as a bowl of pasta, it's going to be impossible. You're not going to get through that much chicken breast because protein is very, very difficult to eat. I remember on another podcast, someone said they did a an experiment was done where they got people to eat. Basically, they, they only allowed them to eat like just meat. So it was just like pork fillets, like plain pork or like plain chicken. And they just couldn't get through it. They couldn't get through it in the same quantities as they could get through carbohydrates. And that me- that means that if you're eating carbs, you can take in a lot more calories a lot more easily because calories, um, carbs and proteins have the same number of calories per gram in each one. So if you eat the same, if you can eat more carbs more easily, you can take in more calories more easily. And the type of carbs like we're mainly talking about, because a lot of people get put off everything when it's when we talk about carbs and they think rice is bad and they think potatoes are bad i don't know anyone who's eating too much rice unless it's egg fried rice like i don't know anyone who can eat a a thousand calories of potatoes that would be eating like the whole sack of potatoes it's it's the refined carbs like the sugars the white bread things that have been fiddled with or had sugar added to like pasta that are so easy to to overeat on their own because they have so little nutrition. If they're beige colored carbs, other than potatoes, they're a bit of a uh, an anomaly, then they tend to be not very good for you. Or very easy to overeat, should I say. That's the biggest problem with them. Yeah, if they're, um, as, a, as a kind of a rule, if you... Uh, as a, if they go soggy in water. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. If you like pour, the worst things are gonna be the things if you pour water on it. In fact, this this isn't really, it is kind of true. If you pour water on it, then it's going to like absorb the water like bread or suck up the water like a sponge. Biscuits, you put like, a load of biscuits in the bowl, pour water on it, they're going to fill up with water and go all soggy. 
If you put a potato in water and just pour water on it, it's just going to stay as a potato. Yeah, as long as we're not is. talking about cooking it. So like rice, if you just pour water on it, doesn't doesn't change either. It's is I know there's a few anomalies. So like hard boiled sweets probably doesn't fall into that category. But if it's pure sugar, also not going to help. Because the reason the reason sugar can cause so many problems is there's a debate. I don't know if you've heard any updates on this, Ben, but I know a lot of people debate about is sugar addictive? Is it not addictive? Is it as addictive as cocaine? I've heard all these different things. But in my experience, as a human being eating sugar, if I have something sugary, I want another piece of it or another another one. That's all I can say on the sugar. I don't know if you yeah, have the, any, any updates on that. The way I understand it is that addiction, there are two kind of sides to the coin on addiction. I keep saying two sides of the coin. Yeah, that's your phrase of the day. <laughs> there are two like elements to addiction. So one of the elements to addiction is like a physical addiction so for example you take take some heroin not that i've ever taken heroin but you know reading about people who take heroin they take it they feel amazing whatever they have the effects of this drug and then they have physical withdrawal symptoms from not having um that heroin so they start getting ill because they're not taking it and then the only the solution they see is then they take it again and then they feel good again and then the other side of the addiction is kind of the the mental side of it. So even if something's not physically addictive, um, you'll you will still associate that thing with positive emotions. So if we think about like alcohol, for example, um, if you if you're somebody if you someone uses alcohol to make themselves feel better, let's say they feel really bad about themselves, and when they drink, it makes them feel better, makes them feel more confident, makes them kind of forget some of their problems. And you can get addicted to that good feeling that you had from the alcohol. Even if alcohol is a depressant and, you know, technically should make you feel more unhappy, you can get addicted to the fact that it, you know, it makes you feel better temporarily. So there's like the physical side of the addiction, the like you will get ill if you stop taking this thing. And then there's the mental side of the addiction, which is just, I want more of that, that nice feeling. So I think with sugar, it's more of that second one. You eat some some chocolate, some some biscuits, some sweets, whatever. You get that sugar rush. You get that sugar high. I'm sure you've all seen when a kids kids run around. You've, you know, you give them too much sugar, they go crazy. They run around. They're really hyperactive and energetic. Then they crash, and then they're like, you know, I feel terrible now. The person person who's eating loads of sugar, they feel terrible when they crash off that sugar, and then they're like, okay, I felt really good before when I had that sugar high, so I want to go back to that. So it's kind of the addicted to that good feeling that you get from it yeah you hear that's a lot what, of people that's what i would experience yeah so that's the addiction side and you also hear a lot of people like having sugary things for energy i think this is becoming less common maybe people are using energy drinks now because that's a big market but as people say oh, i'm tired i need that sugar kick or whatever and they buy a chocolate bar or they buy um i don't know what else a piece of cake or brownie and they think they need that sugar kick or that sugar high as well. So that's not so much an addictive thing, but that's more of a habit. But the problem with that sugar crash is what then happens, I'm sure you've experienced this, is yeah, you do get an initial rush of energy, but then it then it, it sinks again. It goes really quickly and you end up living a day, your whole day, like a roller coaster of energy going up and down and up and down. And every time your energy goes down, you then go, okay, I'm going to get another coffee or another sugar 
sugary snack and then you you live on this sugar roller coaster of going up and then your energy plummeting and then going up and your energy plummeting and it's like going round and round on a roller coaster all day and the problem with that is every time your energy plummets again that's when cravings happen so the more sugary foods you're eating the more you're going to crave things so it's kind of a a slippery slope that the more you make your diet up of these things, your diet up of those things, the more you're going to need to eat those things or feel like you need to eat those things. So you have to kind of sometimes almost just come off it completely. And this is actually what we do with our clients because we're going to move on to now how to actually beat these cravings, what strategies and what ways of getting motivated and changing your mindset can you do to, to beat these cravings. But Ben, do you want to start by explaining it's kind of really linked to what we just talked about what we actually do with our clients to help beat cravings okay so the first thing that we do with our clients um and that i've done myself rob's done himself i guess we kind of developed this by accident was kind of just like a reset on the whole system so it's like when when your phone breaks when your laptop breaks and then the first thing you call a tech support person the first thing they say is like have you tried have you tried resetting it have you tried turning it off and turning it on again so it's kind of resetting yourself back to eating eating well so you can kind of be, you believe that you can make good food choices again and then then it's much more easy to move forward into into kind of moderation after that yeah that's the that's the key for a lot of people as we talked about earlier everyone is different some people like to re continue that process onwards and maybe say I don't touch alcohol from now on because I just can't resist it. But for a lot of people, they just need this short period where they can, there's loads of benefits, aren't there? They can prove to themselves that they don't need these foods. They don't need to survive on these foods. And they also reset their body in a lot of ways. Like what, what, what kind of side effects have you heard from our clients in terms of when they, when they cut out these things? Yeah. So a lot of people, um, they cut sugar out. As I was saying about the heroin addiction before, how it can make you feel crap when you when you stop having this this drug. A lot of our clients have the similar sort of thing. So they end up they report to us, not a scientist or whatever, but they have um, you know kind of headaches. Um, they're generally just feeling down. They can have like digestive issues, and these are all these are kind of short term effects of suddenly going from you know ten. 20 years of having chocolate biscuits every day and at work and eating chocolate bars and cakes and stuff, suddenly you start putting, well, in the, in this reset period, you start putting like the perfect nutrition into your body. So just vegetables, good carbohydrates, good quality protein, good fats. And your body's suddenly like, whoa, this is, uh, you know, this is a bit strange. Suddenly you're eating all of this good stuff. Where's the sugar and the bread and the cakes that I'm used to digesting? And it can kind of throw a spanner in the works and you feel worse temporarily before you start feeling better again. My theory on this is the body is just kind of saying like, okay, we've been surviving on all of this, this unhealthy food and it has been making me making, you know, giving that temporary kind of high. You take that away and it's like, oh, we need to get back to that, back to that high because I don't want to feel like this. This is not good. But also the, yeah, that's exactly it. But also the, um, the highs come with loads of lows, as I talked about with the roller coaster thing. So they they do also tend to experience way more constant energy levels. So like level good energy throughout the day rather than p 
peaks and troughs all the time. So it's a completely different experience. But there is almost, for some people, not everyone, as Ben said, like a short period of just suffering, or not suffering, but struggling through a headache or struggling through this or that. But most people report, they said, they say, like, I can't believe how much my body was relying on this stuff. It's a wake-up call to them to say, wow, like, my body was in a really bad place with what I was putting in it before, that it had all these bad reactions, and then I felt so much better afterwards. That There's, like, loads of other side effects as well. So people's skin clears up, especially when they cut out consuming loads of milk. A lot of people had, like, spotty skins or breakouts or red patches, rashes, and all those go away. Um, what other things do you see, Ben? Well, the improvements people see. They'll, yeah. Obviously, they'll see um, improvements in their energy levels. That's uh, a big one. Um, as soon as they start stop eating so much processed carbs and stuff and start replacing that with better foods, more vitamins, more minerals, more proteins, you can have better hair, better skin, better nails, which um, for any ladies listening, I'm sure you, you want all of those things. Obviously, it's you know important to me too. I want to want to look nice. Um, what have I gone through then? So... <laughs> Better skin and nails, better energy levels. Yeah, people people will tend to lose weight. They'll feel they often feel less bloated as well. So if if you're eating foods which give you a lot of people can get digestive issues from what as Rob was saying before, um, from things like dairy, things like wheat. They can they can give you a lot of different digestive issues depending on who you are. Everybody's different, but you'll if you have if those things do give you issues and you cut them out, you suddenly find yourself feeling amazing. You feel much less bloated. Your digestion improves, your energy levels improve, your skin improves, your appearance improves. Even things like your um, your mood. So it can affect your can affect like your the actual chemistry of your brain if you're eating foods which don't agree with you as an individual. Yeah, I always think this is crazy. Like thinking back to chemistry class at school, mixing stuff in pots, or whatever chemicals being mixed together, and then that's actually there's a load of chemicals in your blood and in your brain that define so much about you, like the way you feel, the way you look, your energy, all of that stuff is, it's a product of what you put into your body. And I think a lot of people forget this, that you are pretty much what you eat. Like you are a reflection of how you eat. Obviously exercise and lifestyle is in there as well. But when you eat food, I think a lot of people don't link this together. Like my girlfriend had this, this housemate back at, back at school uh, school university who had the one of the worst diets i've ever seen <laughs> if i'm gonna be honest it was terrible <laughs> everything she ate was just beige i've never seen the beige diet so she she might make something from scratch she might make a chili con carne but it wasn't there were no it was just meat and pasta or meat and rice that was as healthy as it got that was probably the best thing she ate and then it'd be like chocolate pizza that was basically it chocolate and pizza diet age 20 i think had to go and have a colonoscopy which is not something i thought you had to have until you're in like 40s 50s 60s and she had to have this colonoscopy flush out all her insides because she couldn't go to the loo anymore and had all these gut problems and she still after all of that said she said it was the worst experience of her entire life moaned about a lot did not enjoy it one bit she still didn't didn't get told by a doctor or didn't figure out it was clearly a result of this completely beige diet oh bread was another thing she just ate loads of 
that she ate. She didn't eat any vegetables, didn't eat barely any proteins and no variety, barely any food that's actually kind of natural or barely any food that's untampered with. And it's crazy that, that, that they didn't figure this out. But like what you're putting into your body is dictating, the, is leading to the problem. It's not bad luck that she had that problem. It's not bad luck that you feel like crap. It's because of the things you're putting into your body. And obviously we're trying to help with that today. So just think about that. Whatever you eat gets broken down and then it goes through your brain. It goes through your body. And a lot of I think this is the, the best example I have of this uh, that I thought about recently when I was cooking, I think that's the kind of, this is the kind of weird stuff I think of when I'm cooking. I think it's like a lot of people love to decorate their house really nicely. They want to have like a nice sofa and they want to have nice carpets and nice paint on the walls. Everything matters. They want to have nice decorations. Um, you can clearly tell I'm not that into this. I still would like it to look nice though. They want the house to look great. So they put all this nice stuff in. No one wants to get a house and then just, I don't know, go to the tip and put a load of stuff in from the tip and then bring some manure in and just like spread that around the floor and then um yeah pour a skip into your house and then go to the toilet on the floor we on the walls this is the equivalent of what people are doing in my opinion with a lot of their food that they're eating like it ends up inside you uh, i don't know if i'm going a bit of a rant ben but i just thought i'd put that out there like I, I don't think everyone thinks about this that that stuff ends up inside you and it makes what you are like it goes into all your cells yeah, definitely. Have... But I think um, the reason so many people fall into this trap, it's not necessarily that they... Nobody wants to do that. As you said, nobody wants to bring in a tip, bring in loads of rubbish and, like, you know, smear smear shit on the walls or whatever. <laughs> but nobody will... Um, deep down, we don't really want to do that to the inside of our body as well. But it's... The problem is, I think, is that the world we live in, where we basically have infinite choice over what we eat, and um you know what we put into our bodies like you can walk into a supermarket the first thing you see when you walk into a supermarket is that that big stack of like stuff in front of the door depends what supermarket you market you go to for like asda asda tesco's whatever morrison's you there's always this big square stack it, it, like i i don't what do you call it it's not an aisle it's like a square aisle anyway <laughs> and it's <laughs> it's full of like baked goods it'll just have like cakes on it donuts like bagels all of that not bagels but just like sugary goods as soon as you walk in yeah um, mini bites and things like that Always and it's just there. it's just there to tempt you into into eating that stuff if you were for example it, we're, we're basically animals we're like you know we're very very intelligent highly evolved monkeys essentially if we were in the wild you just don't have access to that stuff you don't walk along in the forest suddenly find this rack full of like processed carbohydrates and sugar it just doesn't happen the only sugar you might come across is you find a banana tree climb a tree get some bananas off it and you might be able to eat some bananas or you find a you know a beehive full of honey or whatever um where am i going with this so basically we have infinite choice of the foods we can eat and the food a lot of the food that's presented to us is the food that naturally our brains our brains want to go to and the reason our brains want to go to that is because this was on another podcast about marketing and sales, how there are kind of different parts of the human the human brain. And one part of the human brain was basically like a crocodile brain, which is the theory is it's left a leftover part from when we were, you know, we've evolved, evolved from like fish into lizards into dinosaurs into whatever. 
it's this really, really old prehistoric part of our brain, which the only thing it's concerned with is survival. So if you're looking at a, a load of food that you've got available to you, let's let's say you haven't eaten for five days, you're in the wild, and the choice is you go out, you go and hunt a, a an animal, kill it and eat it, and you go and forage around for three hours digging potatoes, or you have this pastry which is right in front of you and it's full of sugar, it's full of calories, and it's going to give you a big boost to your energy level. You go for the easiest, fastest choice naturally just because your brain is designed that way so our brain is designed for a world where there isn't a supermarket full of any food you possibly could it's designed for a world where you have to work for your food if that makes sense yeah definitely and it's not an accident is it that these manufacturers have come up with this food they know exactly what gets your crocodile brain or whatever you want to call it firing what what makes you crave stuff what makes you buy stuff they know exactly they've studied this because they make money out of it obviously so these big food corporations know that if they mix sugar with that kind of bready texture for or whatever it is the crunchy texture and they mix it with all these different things that they come up with something that you cannot resist and then they put it at the entrance of the supermarket it's game over to go in there yeah. and you go cookies mini bites um what those ice ice rolls what they're called i love those, those yeah those rolls with the yeah with like the icing on top <laughs> white icing on the top yeah i used to love them at school I used to lick the icing off them but <laughs> when you see those things you just think oh god i have some i want like ben and i are no different like i was talking i think it was last night or the night before to my girlfriend's auntie and her friend who were talking about the diets they're doing or been doing about this and i was like I'm no different when it comes to cravings. Like if this stuff's in the house or if I see it on the way into the supermarket and I buy it, I know I will eat it. I, I will put it in my mouth because as Ben said, we ca- we've got some sort of thing going on in our brain that will tell us to do it. And the more you do it, the more you will do it. So the one of the keys is obviously the reset where you say you can't have it can really help. And another thing that can really help with that is just developing this habit so saying no and not putting it in your house because if it's in your house i think we talked about this last time i can't remember but if it's in your house it's so hard to resist in my experience like you don't give yourself much hope of resisting it i don't know what your experience is with that ben i guess it's like your bread rolls last night you had to fight ben ben started this we phoned each other to do the podcast he started it by saying i had a 10 minute argument with the bread rolls last night (laughs) yeah they're still there they're still sitting there taunting me um I think did we talk about this in our previous podcast episode? Those those um those biscuits that were on our side after Christmas. Yeah, the, I eventually the ate. biscuits that you revealed you ate. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was just at this point. I want to want to make very clear that I haven't always been able to not give in to these bad food cravings and not resist temptation. So I used to eat I used to eat terrible diet. I just used to used to eat whatever I wanted. I didn't used to think about what's healthy what's not healthy i would just eat whatever i wanted bacon sandwiches bar of chocolate every single day pizza chips burgers for quite a long period of time this is when i first was you know allowed to manage my own food when i first went to uni when i was 19 and my concern was not i want to be healthy my concern was just like i can buy whatever i want from the supermarket now i'm gonna make all this delicious stuff that wasn't in my parents house um so yeah it it's if you're in that situation, I've been in that situation. I understand that you just, you know, you're eating crap all the time. It's not making you feel good. You don't feel, um, you've got bad energy levels. You are not in shape. You feel bloated. You feel tired. 
you can learn yourself. You can learn to get out of that situation and to, you know, take control of your life and take control of your food choices. So I'm not pretending here. I'm not sitting in a high castle pretending I'm a, it's an ivory ivory tower, pretending I'm the the perfect king of nutrition who's always eating healthy. I've been there as well, so I do get it. Yeah, it becomes normal, doesn't it? Where everyone's normal is different at different stages, and if you have no reason to change it, like as a young guy at university, as as a, one of our members was telling me last night, she has two sons with hollow legs who just eat all the food in her house, and she has to stock up the cupboards. If you're if you're that young guy, you have no real reason to eat any healthier. But at some point, you hit a point where, as we were talking about last time, you get the motivation to change it, or you get the inspiration. So you say, "I'm no longer happy with the way I look," or "I want to get stronger," as you did, and want to get leaner and get a six pack. Or it might be for those of you listening that I want to be smaller and I want to feel like the old me and get the old me back again because I don't feel like that person. Oh, my throat just did a very strange noise there. <laughs> Always going to happen on a podcast. But one of the most important things, as we talked about last time, so we're not going to go into loads of depth, but is actually having a reason, like a, a motivation coming from a goal that you've set to actually make a change. Like nothing is going to change if you don't have a reason to change it. Like if you're just eating fish fingers, like Ben said, and bacon sandwich for breakfast, but you feel great, you look great, Obviously, you're not going to change it. So there has to be another reason, and that is that you're not happy where you are. You've got clear on where you are, which is what we talked about before, the impact it's having on all the different areas of your life. And then you say, this is unacceptable. This has to change. And then that is so important. If you haven't listened to our first podcast episode, I really recommend you do, because without that, without having set a goal that matters to you and come up with a reason why you're going to change it, that's really powerful for you, then nothing will change. Like, you will get all this great information we're talking about today, but information on its own is nothing without the motivation to actually do anything about it. Yeah, if you have if you have the intention that you say like you say I'm going to do this reset. What what I would recommend with this diet reset is that you do a period of two weeks is a good period. Um, you'll drastically reduce your cravings. You'll realize how good you feel without all of this stuff, and then you might you might be able to take some of that forwards. But if you go into that without a reason to do this two week reset you're going to do two days and then you're going to be like, you're just going to fail. You're going to do every, what what you've always tried to do is always going to happen. I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you've tried to eat healthy before. You've tried to cut down on the junk food. You've tried to cut the bad things out and it probably hasn't worked. Chances are you have eventually slipped back into old habits. So if you don't have that reason, it's going to slip back into old habits. Um, just for reference, if you want to do this kind of reset thing, I'd recommend you do two weeks and simplest way, main thing you most important thing to cut out is probably sugar um other things you can cut out sugar cut alcohol out as well um and you can also cut wheat and dairy out if you cut those things four things out for two weeks if you can manage that then that's that's going to be very very beneficial yeah we call those the to help you remember we call those the wads foods which is w-a-d-s so wheat alcohol dairy and sugar and inside of our actual challenges that our clients come through so our 28 day 90 day year challenge we structure that we teach you more about it and we'll get you started with that if you want to do that with help if you don't want a coach to help you through that then of course you can do that like there's no reason you are you can't just do that on your own and just get a feel for what that would be like now you do need to after that's over you do need to 
try and figure out if you're going to reintroduce them and what your strategy is going to be there. But as we talked about before, the main thing is just to start. Like the main thing to get motivated or whatever you want to call it is once you've set that goal is just to start. Not worry about two weeks down the line yet. Just worry about today or tomorrow. So maybe today or let's say tomorrow, probably unrealistic. You're listening to this and you say, okay, I want to start this. Tomorrow, cut that stuff out. Like tomorrow, wheat, alcohol, dairy, sugar, the WADS foods, you're not eating them at all. And cold turkey works really well for a lot of reasons. Like Ben, why why in your experience does it work so well to sometimes just have black or white, no to this, and just, just really clear rules to follow? Cold turkey is uh, it's it's very good because um, you've got a very simple rule to follow. So you, it's very easy to measure, very easy to track. You wake up and you're like, okay, I'm just not going to eat any wheat, alcohol, dairy, or sugar today. I just I don't eat that. There's no decision there to make. You just know you're not gonna you know you're not gonna eat those things. If those come up, then your your immediate answer is someone's like, do you want a biscuit? You look at it, you're like, it's got wheat in it, it's got sugar in it. No thanks. Done. Whereas if you're following some sort of other system where it's, you know, 90% of what you eat is going to be good. And then you're going to allow yourself one treat. If you start with that straight away, it's harder to keep track of. So you don't know, you know, you have one biscuit, then you have, you end up eating five biscuits and you're, you're in this weird situation where like, did I fail? Did I succeed? Um, I don't know. And you're having to make more of a decision because you're, I always think it's easier to stick to something hundred percent than it is to stick to something 90%. If you have to if you're sticking to something 100%, someone offers you this thing or you get into a situation where there's temptation there and then you just say no, you're just like, "Nope, that's that's not what I'm doing." The decision to not stick to it or the kind of internal conversation you have to have with yourself, if you do it right, lasts about 2 seconds. Whether if you're on this if you're like I'm sticking to it 90%, then you're like, you know, "Shall I have it? Shall I have this as my treat? Shall I save it for later?" Is, is this going to be too much? Is this going to be, you know, can I fit this into my diet? You're, you have to go through this whole decision-making process with a lot more chance to talk yourself into, you know, failing, basically. Yeah, it leaves it up to kind of willpower. Whether willpower, as we talked about before, is something that does does diminish or not, it leaves it up to every single time you've got to rely on this quote-unquote willpower. You've got to rely on this thing to get you through, to go... I'm going to resist this. And that's why I don't think moderation is actually a very good approach at the beginning, because if you're someone that struggles with motivation, if you're someone that struggles with, let's say, willpower, chances are you're not going to do well, but with someone saying, eat in moderation, just have a couple of cheat meals a week. That doesn't work for you because it hasn't worked so far. Like moderation is great once you've learned how to how to be moderate, uh, how to be moderate, how to build the habits that support that. And that is what we work through with our clients is eventually what we do want to get them to the point where they can enjoy their social life, where they can do all of this and that. They can drink a little bit of alcohol if they want to, and they know how it all fits in. But coming from a position of not being able to stick to stuff or not believing in yourself and falling off the wagon a lot and really struggling to make the right decision, let's say, sometimes black or white on a very simple set of rules like those four things works really really well and nothing like that's all we get people to do at the beginning isn't it Ben like we don't we don't overload them with you're going to cook this meal plan and um, I'm not saying this just because this is what we do this is just what we found has worked best like we've spent years developing what worked best and we've we used to throw loads of stuff at people at the beginning didn't we yeah they used to it used to be you know you here's day one 
you're going to track calories, you're going to track your macros, you're going to eat the right amount of protein. You're also going to make good food choices, but only for 80%. You're going to make good food choices 80% of the time. You're going to eat what you want 20% of the time. You're going to drink enough water. You're going to take these supplements. And although that approach, in theory, is, you know, it's perfect. It's, it's well, <laughs> there's no approach which is perfect, but it's what it's what I would recommend to someone. If, if people were as simple as I tell them an approach and they go and do it and they get results, I would tell them to go and do that. Um, but in reality, it's very hard for somebody to put that into action, to go from, you know, binge eating on junk, not exercising, not tracking anything they're eating, making bad food choices, to suddenly doing all of this stuff. It's asking too much of somebody. Yeah, this is my problem with a lot of the kind of fitness experts out there on Instagram or out there um, you see on social media they're selling their like 12-week booty plan or 12-week get lean plan and this is exactly what we used to do so I'm not pointing the finger at them per se but I am saying that it doesn't necessarily work very well because what they've written is what works for them they're like oh get the plan I follow and it's like well that's great but you're like a fitness freak that's done this for 10 years you're genetically gifted um, you're already built all these healthy habits and then you're trying to tell someone to do all of it from day one and whilst that's great in theory as Ben said just telling someone to do something is not the same as actually teaching them to do it just being like here's everything you need to do that doesn't necessarily get actually get you to do it I'm sure you found mm. this if you listen to this it's not like it's not as simple as that there's a lot more to it and that is obviously what we're talking about in this podcast like the, the getting motivated building habits it's better to do it step by step in our experience kind of give you something to sink your teeth into a bite-sized chunk like this diet reset the diet makeover is what we actually call it for two weeks and then you can do the next thing and then you can do the next thing and then in a year's time all these little steps add up to this amazing result of you being one of those thin fit and healthy people who can actually stick to something and make good choices who can beat their food cravings and understand how to set themselves up to win with with their eating every single day but it doesn't happen overnight and it just doesn't work very well being told to do all this stuff from day one. Yeah, I think of, go on. most, most people know what they need to do to lose weight. It's, it's common sense. You know you need to eat healthier. You know you need to do some exercise. You know you need to not eat too much. It's, that's it. And I think the mistake a lot of people make is they look for, when they think about investing in a coach or a plan or a program, they look for somebody to tell them what to do with their nutrition and what to do with their workouts. They look for more information in terms of nutrition and workouts. When the thing they haven't considered is that the problem they're facing is really not what to do because they know what to do. Everyone knows what to do to lose weight. It's very, very simple. The thing that most people feel um, struggle with is actually taking that information of what to do and making it, implementing it, but into, into your life. So it's how to practically apply the information is is the big thing that people struggle with. And side note, if you're listening to this and you you do want help with this, you want help to to you know pull off this two week reset, which is not always not always easy when you're going it alone. You want help to learn how to um, implement these healthy habits into your life, eat in moderation, and see the results you want to see. Um, we can help you with that in our motivation masterclass. If you want to check that out, just go to trinitytransformation.co.uk and uh, click the button that says masterclass. Yeah, it's a good place to get started um, and commit to that and we'll guide you through everything we talk about on these podcasts in a more structured way because what we're talking about here is kind of 
we dart all over the place as we think of useful things we can tell you and it's obviously hopefully not obviously hopefully helpful but it's not structured as as much as you need generally to get started started with something so some people will be able to put stuff into action i think we've said this before from this and that's great some other people will need more structure and a coach and some accountability and all that stuff and we obviously provide all of those things because that's what we've learned people need to get motivated so we've kind of covered everything i want to cover in terms of beating bad food cravings you've got to you've got to understand why they happen which we've got into at the beginning and then some strategies to beat them we've talked about a few strategies so resetting or doing the diet makeover making sure you have a good goal so you're motivated to change it and then really it just comes down to practice like putting those habits into action every single day as best as you can falling off the wagon maybe every now and again but continuing to practice and i think the biggest lesson like i didn't actually write this down i didn't put this in my notes at the beginning i don't know if ben will agree the biggest lesson i've i've actually got out of this talking about these bad food cravings is we tend to set ourselves up to have them by not sleeping well by being open to too much stress not not releasing the stress in terms of exercise and meditation by letting ourselves get bored um by starving ourselves or being too strict with our diet or continuing to make these poor food choices and not resetting that tends to lead to the cravings the cravings are not an accident and the key to beating those cravings is really starting with something simple to start changing maybe one or two of those things and then over time adding to that until you're sleeping better you're having less stress you're not bored all the time you're eating enough so you're not starving yourself but not too much so you're gaining weight you have a bit of flexibility in your in your diet but you're not eating sugary foods all the time and if you do that you will succeed you will be able to beat those cravings and you will feel in control so that brings us to the end of today's motivation method podcast but before you go we have some important announcements piece one is if you're not currently subscribed on itunes to the motivation method podcast get yourself subscribed today Number two, if you're not currently getting access to the daily motivation emails and action guides found at trinitytransformation.co.uk, head on over to trinitytransformation.co.uk and get that done today and we'll start sending those your way. The final piece of this is our motivation masterclass challenges. If you're ready to finally unleash your inner motivation and willpower with a customized action plan and your own personal coach and the support of our Trinity tribe, head on over to trinitytransformation.co.uk today and sign up for our motivation masterclass and we'll get you started right away. And last but not least, if you're listening to this show and you're getting value from it, number one, do the things that we talk about here. And number two, you don't pay us to do this. So instead, all we ask of you is to simply share this show with one person who you think it could help today. So this is Rob Burkhead. And this is Ben Hughes. And this has been the Motivation Method Podcast. See you on the next one. Hey.